0: This morning, uh, we are in John chapter 3. This is our second week in this great, wonderful, beautiful, and famous passage of scripture. You can find it on page 9 of your worship guide. You can also find it in a a printed Bible or a Bible app in John chapter 3. So if you would, let's turn there together.
1: And let's stand as we read it together.
0: Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him." Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered,
1: Very truly I tell you,
0: no one can enter the Kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born in the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, we testify to what we have seen. But you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. People love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we pray, I pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, this is uh we started in this passage last week, and we saw that John the Gospel writer. He highlights the fact that Jesus recognizes a difference, a distinction, between those who at one point in life had an experience of belief that was circumstantial and those who were believers. Those whose belief shaped who they were, belief was ongoing, sprang forth like living waters from within them. And it is to these believers. That Jesus promises eternal life. Life without perishing. We saw that in John's grammar. For God so loved the world. This is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only, His only begotten Son, so that whoever believes, so that the believers, the believing ones, will not
1: perish, but have eternal life. We saw that
0: last week. And I think that Uh, That was really good for us to spend time there. It led each one of us to ask, am I a person that checks the I believe box and then moved on? Or am I the person where belief is actually part of who I am? It's something that's going on all the time in my heart. And that's good. But considering those things also should lead us to ask the question, what does it take? What does it take to become a believer? How do I become the kind of believer that Jesus talks about as the kind of believer that doesn't perish, but has eternal life? How do I become that? The Nicodemus in the story, very educated, religious, and sincere man. If he, at one point, if he believed that Jesus came from God and that God was with him, yet Jesus looked at him and said, You do not believe right now. Nicodemus couldn't become a believer, then do I have a chance to become a believer? If he couldn't do it, can I do it? What does it take? Well, essentially Nicodemus, when he's coming to Jesus to ask, Jesus gives him an answer. Jesus gives us an answer. What does it take to become the kind of believing person that Jesus promises the kingdom? But what it takes is being born again. Jesus says to Nicodemus,
1: you must be born again. And he says that to us.
0: Uh, If you're looking for a big idea for our sermon this morning, that you need to write down, you can write it down right now. The big idea is, you must be born again. That's what we're talking about today. So here's what I want to do. You must be born again. That's Jesus' word to Nicodemus, to all of us, actually. That's what it takes to become a believer. Being born again leads to becoming a believer. leads to not perishing. So, it's really important that we understand what it means to be born again. So, let's break it down. I want to break down Jesus' phrase that we find uh, right there in verse 7. You must be born again. Let's break it down. First, you. Who is the you that Jesus is talking about? He says, you must be born again. Who is you? Well, uh, this, is, this is important. In, in the grammar, in the Greek, in John's record of this, that you is plural. It's the y'all.
1: It's the plural of you.
0: Jesus is speaking about all people here. Any person. Any person that wants to see the kingdom, you, plural, can't see the kingdom of God unless you, plural, are born again. So that means he's talking to us. He's talking to our families. He's talking to our friends. He's talking to the whole world. He's talking to everybody. At the same time, he's literally sitting in front of Nicodemus face to face. In the context of a private conversation,
1: he's speaking about all people, but he's speaking
0: to this man, Nicodemus. And that matters. We're outsiders watching I, I imagine that the, John the Gospel writer, maybe he was just outside of the light of the fire he was dropping here. That's how we knew to write this down. That's what we are. We're watching this conversation happen. So when Jesus says to Nicodemus, you, all people, must be born again. But he's saying it to this man. In order to fully understand what Jesus means, we need to try to hear his words through Nicodemus' ears. Right?
1: How did Nicodemus understand this? Because
0: maybe if Jesus was saying it to somebody else in a different context, he would say it differently. In fact, we read the Gospels and we see that he does that. But what does he mean? Well, we need
1: to understand Nicodemus
0: and how he would have heard it. Because Jesus accommodates his message to his hearers, A good teacher. So, what do we know about Nicodemus? Well, the text tells us that he was a Pharisee. And he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now, let's talk
1: about Pharisees.
0: I've talked a little bit about this before, and then passed by this idea a few times in the past, but I really want to focus on something here. Pharisees, especially among Christian churches, get a bad rep. We often paint Pharisees as the bad guys in the New Testament, right? Um, They get a bad rep. You know, there's some places in the New Testament in the Gospels, where John the Baptist, or Jesus, both of them, have confrontations with the Pharisees. And they call them out for hypocrisy. Now, it's become common for us Christians to take those few passages and use them to characterize all Pharisees and to paint
1: them in a bad light. If, if somebody is a Christian,
0: they are not acting like the way we think Christians should act. Somebody's a Christian and maybe they're puffed up and arrogant. Somebody's a Christian and we don't
1: like them. What do we call them? Well, that lady's a Pharisee. Stop being such a Pharisee. Now, I want to say this. I want to say it real clearly. Um, when we do that, it is totally inappropriate.
0: Um, when you, if, you, if you hear that, if you, if you said that, please stop saying that. If you hear someone else say that, please gently invite them to stop saying it.
1: Here's why. First of all,
0: um, well, did you know that it was the Pharisee movement in the first century, which actually became, uh, which actually grew and became uh, what we know as contemporary Judaism? Contemporary Judaism that we know today grew out of the Pharisee movement. Contemporary Judaism is different than the Judaism we read about in the Old Testament. There's no temple today, no animal sacrifices today. So what links our Jewish friends and neighbors today, what they believe and what they practice, to what we read about in the Old Testament? Or it was this this movement that started in the intertestamental period.
1: The Pharisee movement. The Pharisee movement became contemporary Judaism. So, when we assume the worst of Pharisees, we're assuming the worst of our Jewish friends and neighbors.
0: And considering the church's long record, of anti-Semitic behavior, we need to be really careful. Okay? I want to mention that. That's important.
1: Nicodemus is not the bad guy in this story. He's not the dumb person, the ignorant person. You know
0: what? Nicodemus here is somebody that we would call a good man. Here's the truth about Pharisees in Jesus' day. Yeah. Jesus called them out. Some of them. John the Baptist called some of them out for hypocrisy. I know he's called me out for hypocrisy. He calls lots of us out for hypocrisy. So let's put that over here. What do we know from history? What do we know from New Testament context? What do we know when we look at the Apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee? Or Gamaliel, who was a Pharisee? At their jobs in their communities.
1: Most of them dedicated their lives to what we would call
0: pastoral service or missional living. What do I mean by that? Well, they believed that God was active in the everyday, mundane lives of individuals and families.
1: They started home Bible studies.
0: They worked for the reform and betterment of their communities. They rejected hierarchical structures of social elitism based on hereditary status. So they opposed the hereditary, passed down
1: nobility structure.
0: Uh, They wanted their world to be shaped and influenced by God's word. They believed that salvation was by grace, but that law keeping mattered to God. And they placed their hope in a future resurrection. They believed that God would make everything right one day.
1: You might be catching this. These people were very, very, very much like us. Very much like 21st century American reformed evangelicals. In fact, so much like us, it's a little creepy. But so we need to understand
0: that this is the kind of man Jesus was speaking to when he says, "You." Nicodemus. In fact, all people need to be born again. And this is the kind of man, a man like us, a man that could take a seat in this room and we would say, oh yeah, he belongs here. And Jesus says, paraphrased, I'm going to be
1: honest with you, man. Nobody sees the kingdom unless they're born again. Yeah. So, This is what's happening in the story.
0: We often think of, and by we I mean, hey, I grew up in church. I am dyed in the wool, came out, came from, like, I am Mr. Uh, American Reformed Evangelical guy. That's where I came from. And I have heard this story my whole life. It's a story, it applies to us, but mostly it's a story for people out there.
1: We've already got this. We're born again Christians. But those people, people out there, people on the street,
0: the liberal churches, uh, and all these other folks, people of other religions, all these folks, they need to be born again. But we look at what's actually happening here. Who Jesus is
1: talking to. And what we should hear is you. You, 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 you must be born. Feel your seat getting hot, good. This
0: story is for us, folks. Hope, friends, it doesn't matter how. How reformed we are, how evangelical we are, how confessional we are, how Presbyterian, how PCA we are, how pious we are, how dedicated we are, how home Bible study we are, how sincere we are. None of these things matter when it comes to seeing God's kingdom. The thing that matters is whether or not we, you, have
1: been born. again. Okay? Next. So that's who we're talking about, we're
0: talking about me. Okay, next, what are we talking about? What is born again? What is it? Uh, If you hung around church, or you have grown up in America during the last, uh, I don't know, 60 years, you have probably heard the phrase born again. But what does it mean? Well, let's look at the text. The first thing it means is, we, it's not explicitly written here, but we see it happening here. It's visible here. The first thing that it means when someone is born again um, is what we see happening here in, in this story. Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Yeah, he comes to him by night, and there's symbolism there in the Gospel of John.
1: But he comes to him nonetheless. He shows up. He walks away from his church group crowd over here. And he goes to
0: where Jesus is. We see in this story the beginning of what we could call, Nicodemus' his experience of receiving Christ. We see Nicodemus in this story. A little bit later we see him again in the New Testament when he is speaking to the Jewish ruling council and he's defending Jesus. And a little bit later we see him again when he's joining Joseph of Arimathea taking Jesus' body down from the cross. We learn from early church tradition that Nicodemus became a Christian, became a disciple. Here in this story what we're seeing is we're seeing the beginning of him He's coming to Jesus, and he's beginning to receive him. And that's the first thing it means when we talk about being born again.
1: It means receiving Jesus. Coming to him and receiving
0: him. In John's prologue, remember we talked about how every, everything that we need to know in the gospel of John is contained in the prologue? Remember that? Well, listen to these words from John's prologue, John 1, 9-13. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not
1: receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed, by the way,
0: uh, present active participle, to those who were believing, In his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. you hear that? That's born again language. Who gets to be born again? What does it mean to be born again? What is born again? Well, according to the prologue, being born again is receiving him. The light came into the world. Came to his own people. His own people said no.
1: But some
0: said, yeah. And that, yes,
1: is born again. Let's
0: think of it this way. This is kind of an imperfect analogy, but I'm going to try it out anyway and we'll see if it works. If it doesn't work, we'll just forget it, okay? Most of us know, all I hope you know, most of us know that we can't trust everything we see on the news, or you read on the internet, right? Do you know that? Okay, if you're hearing that for the first time, you're welcome here, but let's talk later. (laughs) Most of us know we can't trust everything that comes out on the news. Everybody has a bias, right? Uh, Even the best journalists, the best bloggers, commentators. Uh, Here in America, um, our big news organizations Uh, Even more, they're controlled by for-profit corporations that have financial interests, that have political interests, and all of these things affect the way stories are told. These are things that have become especially clear uh, over the last several years. However, whether we like it or not, a lot of us have at least one
1: source that we subscribe to. And we
0: say, okay, well, you yeah, know, I don't trust all this stuff, but I kind of get my information. And that might not be a healthy thing, just get it from one place. But a lot of us have that. You know, an even better thing, maybe even better, a lot of us subscribe to um, maybe our own gut and our close friends and families as we bounce ideas off of each other and as we filter through many news sources. We kind of subscribe to our own or our communal discernment. But all of us, unless you decide to live in isolation, all of us subscribe to something, some voice to find out what's going on in the world. We also hold an awareness
1: that without uh, care,
0: we can fall prey to lots of untrustworthy voices, right? This is this is how we watch the news, how we read the It's part of what it means to live where we live and where we live. Well, receiving Jesus is
1: a negative analogy, but receiving Jesus is sort of like that. There are a lot of philosophies, a lot of movements, a lot of
0: ideologies, a lot of spiritualities, a lot of systems, a lot of leaders. A lot of smart people, a lot of uh,
1: teachers. There are a lot of
0: messiahs in the world. But
1: receiving Jesus means
0: clicking like and subscribe on him. That's my source. That's my guide. That's where I get my information. Information for what? Well, in the prologue, John says that Jesus is the Word. He's the information from God. He's the Word. And He's the Word who brings us life and light and grace and truth. So folks, where do you go for life, for light, for illumination, wisdom, for grace, for unmerited favor upon your life, and for truth, for knowledge, for steadiness in our shifting world. Where do you go? Well, Jesus is God's Word who gives those things. If we receive Him,
1: if we subscribe to Him, that's born again. You see it?
0: This is why John equates receiving Jesus to believing Jesus, being a believer. Because if we subscribe to Him as our source, trustworthy
1: source. He starts to shape who we are.
0: Our actual person starts to change. Do you know anybody, maybe a family member that subscribes to a bad news source and it's like they've turned into a different person?
1: When we subscribe to the word, truth, life, light, rebirth begins to happen a change
0: in identity begins to take place. So that's one thing. What does it mean to be born again? It means receiving Jesus, subscribing to Jesus. Well, what else does it mean? Well, according to the text here, it also means submitting to God's work in you.
1: And submitting,
0: kind of like Pharisee, is a word that here in the church we've used very poorly for a very long time. I want to be careful here. When I mean submitting, I don't mean you submitting to me. I don't mean you submitting to some other authority. I mean all of us together. Mutually together.
1: Submitting, being open, accepting. Something that comes from God. Here's what I mean.
0: Babies do not decide to be born. Becca and I are about to have one. And last night, I, you know, I, we're getting pretty close, but we still, we still need to go like seven more weeks. So last night, uh, we, we told our baby to hold on for a little while because we need a little more time to get the room ready. Uh, but we were just playing because it's really not her decision, right? Babies don't decide to be born. Uh, it happens as a natural result uh, of the work of God through natural means, Right? In the same way, new birth is not something we can decide to do. Being born again is not some not a decision you can make. It's something that happens through a work of God, through natural spiritual means. That's what Jesus says, when flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit.
1: So being born again, it means receiving
0: Jesus, but it also means submitting to the work that God is doing in your life. You can't just decide to do it. In fact, the actual words there that Jesus uses, born again, in, in the Greek, can also be translated born from above. Maybe some of your Bibles that you have at home, maybe some of you have with you, say born from above. And that's accurate. Not born from inside of you, Not born from a decision you made, not born from walking an aisle, not born from a prayer you prayed, born from above. Jesus goes on and he says, no one can enter the kingdom unless they are born of water and of spirit. What's that about? Well, Jesus is referencing the passage we read earlier in the service, Ezekiel 36, which is... You know, remember, he's talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is smart. He knows his Bible. He's a Pharisee. Uh, Nicodemus, he would have picked this up. In fact, Jesus calls him the teacher of Israel. Jesus is referencing Ezekiel 36. Let me say a word about that. Part of the Pharisee movement, and we see this in contemporary Judaism as well, part of the Pharisee movement is embracing the longing for God to restore Israel. Now, I don't mean the geopolitical nation state of Israel like we see on the news. There's, I'm talking about the people of God that we see in the Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament, the story continuing through the new, even to today, the people of God, the Pharisees practiced longing for God to restore Israel. There was an exile hundreds of years before We reference it a lot. Where uh, the people of God were exiled out of Jerusalem, out of the Holy Land, and they, they were scattered all over the world. And they had never fully been regathered. And they had never been fully reunited. At this time, there were, yeah, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, but there were also Jews in Alexandria. There were also Jews in Rome. There were Jews in Babylon. There were Jews all over the place. They weren't totally reunited. Alexandrian Jews were different from Jerusalem Jews. We even see in the New Testament that there are Galileans in the north and there are Judeans in the south. Even though Jesus by his birth lineage was a Judean, he grew up and culturally he was a Galilean. We see cultural tension there. In fact, it talked about in the Gospel of John. When it talks about the Jews did this, the Jews did he's referring to the Judeans. So there had never been a full end to the exile. and The Pharisees longed, they practiced praying and hoping, Lord, please end the exile. And as part of that, they would memorize and remember the passages in the Old Testament where the, where the, where the prophets prophesied what God would do in the exile and find the world And one of the major ones is Ezekiel 36. In Ezekiel 36, God promises that he's going to renew Israel, and he's going to do it by sprinkling clean water on the nation. He'll sprinkle clean water on you. That's a picture of washing away sin and anointing good works. He promises that he's going to renew the nation by exchanging their heart of stone for a heart of flesh. I'm going to remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's a picture of granting new life and new love to the nation. So when Jesus tells Nicodemus that people, you must be born of water and of spirit, he's referencing this passage. People, their sins need to be washed away. They need to be given the anointing of the Holy Spirit, new life and new love. They need to be born of I will sprinkle clean water on you. They need to be born of I will give you a new heart and put my spirit within you. That's how the nation needs to be born. But what Jesus does when he speaks to Nicodemus here, when Ezekiel wrote this, he was speaking about the people of God collectively. God's going to do this to the nation. But when Jesus quotes it here, he's speaking about individuals. Nicodemus knew that The people of God together would experience a washing and a renewal with the Holy Spirit. But what Jesus is telling Nicodemus here is that people of God, corporate renewal, that's going to come about by individual folks
1: experiencing washing and renewal in their hearts. Forgiveness of sins, uh, softening of
0: their... Hardness. Anointing with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling Nicodemus that the nation
1: will be renewed. But he's renewed. That's a bit crazy because Nicodemus, remember, he's one of the
0: good guys. And Jesus is saying, dude, the thing that you are longing for, the thing that you're hoping for in your church... It's got to happen to you first.
1: You must be born again. And this is something where God is active. But we are passive. He's telling
0: Nicodemus, this is something that has to happen to you. Do you feel the tension here? Jesus, on one hand, tells Nicodemus, look, it doesn't matter how good you are, I love you, man, your religion is beautiful, you know, it's awesome, but you have to be born again. And then he turns around and he says, but you can't do it for yourself. It's got to be a work of washing and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and you know what? The Holy Spirit is like wind. He blows where he blows. No one can tell where he's going. At this point in the conversation, if you or I were sitting in Nicodemus' seat, you or I would feel totally
1: we feel that tension now.
0: Let me just bring this home. Let's get out of the story. Let's take the story, apply it here. Pope friends. Do you want to be renewed? Do you want to see God's kingdom come in this room, in this community? Your religion is beautiful. I love you. I'm with you. It's awesome. Doesn't matter. You must be born again. God must do something in you by His Spirit. And you can't make that happen. The Spirit blows wherever He blows.
1: Oh, that's so heavy. But here's the good news. Here's the Gospel. Remember when I told you the first part of the Gospel of John tells us
0: everything we need to know for the whole book? You remember when John the Baptist first introduces Jesus to the crowds? Remember that?
1: He says this: "I saw the Spirit come
0: down on him from heaven as a dove, and remain on him." Not myself. I, I, I didn't know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Here's the point. You must be born again. It's your only hope. You can't make it happen to yourself. You need to be washed. You need to be renewed. That's a Holy Spirit thing. He blows wherever He blows, just like the wind, and you can't catch the wind. You have no hope. Except Jesus just so happens to be the one who baptizes water with the Holy Spirit. The only person in this story that can bring the Holy Spirit down on your head to cause you to be born again into newness of life, into the kingdom,
1: is Jesus. Which takes us right back to, have you subscribed to him? Have you received him? Or are you still caught up in your, yes, it's beautiful, but yes, it's empty. Folks, we are so much like Nicodemus, it's ridiculous. We need the
0: Holy Spirit here. We need to be born again. Some of you are listening to me, listening to us talk about Jesus' words, you must be born again. And some of you, in your mind, are, are, are examining your own heart and life. Have I been born again? That's good. Apostle Paul says, "Examine yourself to see whether or not you're." And some of you here are sitting here going, "Oh, you know, that is the only way I can explain my life, the only way my life makes sense, is that the Holy Spirit is doing something in me because I got nothing, but God keeps pouring life into this do vessel."
1: If that's you. In your mouth and tell what it is like that. Some of you are sitting here thinking, ah, I think I've been born again. I don't know. The only thing I have to say to you is look to
0: Jesus and cling to him. I don't know if you've been born again or not. But I do know that Jesus offers himself to you and you can subscribe to him with all of your heart right now. And some of you are sitting here and maybe you're realizing, I have never been born again. All I have is religion. And the yeah, that's
1: beautiful. And that's great. You can
0: reach out for Jesus today. Like Nicodemus, you can come to him. With your questions, with your fears, even in the dark of your night, you can come to him and say, Lord,
1: I want to be born again.
0: So I'll tell you what. We don't really do a walk the aisle thing here. I'm part of our culture. But I want to pray right now. If you had never been born
1: again, or if you don't know, I'm going to
0: pray a prayer that if you would like, you can repeat after me. And we'll help you find words. Maybe to reach out and ask Jesus to come to you right now.
1: Okay? Let's do it together. That's great.